On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, a look back at 2019 and a look ahead to 2020 with our own Ian Wilson. And we get the up-to-date on the Edmonton Prospects situation with Jordan Blundell. Welcome to the first episode of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast of 2020, a.k.a. episode 70. I'm Joe McFarland. I hope the Christmas break treated you all well, and it certainly treated our very own Ian Wilson really well. The ADS co-creator, co-contributor, co-conspirator, whatever you want to call him, he's our first guest for this very first episode of the new decade. Ian, welcome as always. Happy New Year, Joe. Do you have a favorite gift Alberta baseball related that you got? Oh, good, uh, good question. I did. Uh, I was lucky enough to get some some baseball themed gifts. I got some uh, some cannons gear uh, that my uh, my wife tracked down courtesy Sea of Dead uh, and their their fine work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my mom, of course, I was raised in Medicine Hat. My mom still lives there, so she's always sniffing things out. And she found a uh, 1984. Uh, souvenir program for the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. Very cool. Uh, which is is just awesome. There's ads for uh, Lloyd Mosby in there, and uh, some vintage pics of Bob Ridley, the Riddler, mm-hmm. uh, that are that are just fantastic. And uh, as well as well as some uh, Medicine Hat Blue Jays um, baseball card sets. Uh, one which had uh, journeyman catcher Eric Kratz. Uh, who's I, I don't even know if he's still playing, but he's he did uh, last obvious. year. But I don't know if he's on anybody's roster for 2020. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, he's he keeps ticking, anyways, and uh, and also um, Chris Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the sets had uh, a card of him in there as well. So obviously he had uh, an illustrious career as well. So really cool to to get some of those goodies under the tree. I gotta say that one of the uh, underappreciated stars of Alberta dugout stories happens to be our respective families uh, because let's face it, our wives, our parents, our families, all in all have embraced what we do and allow us to do what we do. And then they go and reward us with Christmas gifts. Uh, phenomenal. Now mine wasn't necessarily uh, baseball Alberta related, but it was certainly baseball related. And you can see all these photos on our Instagram page if you want to. Is there is a nice metal sign for Tops baseball cards that I got? It is now hanging quite proudly in my man cave. So I got to say, a uh, kudos to our families for diving into the baseball love that we we both share. All right, let's get into the conversation at hand, which is obviously this time of year we start looking back on the year that was and looking ahead to the year coming up. And let's start with the year that was. I'm going to ask you, Ian, how are you personally going to remember 2019? Well, I think uh, I think it'd be pretty hard not to uh, to dub a uh, certain pitcher uh, from Calgary as the newsmaker of the year mm-hmm. for uh, for uh, what he did in 2019. That that of course being Calgary Redbirds alum Mike Soroka, and um, I mean just an insanely good year. And one of those things where his each one of his starts really became must must see TV, and you wanted to tune in and see what he was capable of and uh you know by the end of the year he's he's an all-star he's in the running for the um 
NL Rookie of the Year, NL Cy Young. He's named the Tip O'Neill winner as the uh, best Canadian baseball player. And he's also in the running for the um, best uh, finalist for the best uh, Canadian athlete. So it'd be it'd be hard to top those achievements, but just kind of uh, you know seeing seeing what he was capable of and, and seeing more of his story. And even in the off season here, uh, you you did a lot of uh, podcast work uh, interviewing people from uh, baseball Alberta, and we saw a lot of the camps that he did, and just the influence that he had and the the um, work that he did. Just knowing that he wasn't just going to come home and and take the off season and veg and uh, and do nothing. He really did a good job of, uh, to my eye, of, of paying forward uh, what his success was in this year and, and just helping young baseball players in the province kind of learn from from what he's he's done. Yeah, that's the amazing part to me is he completely embraced that idea of being the baseball Alberta ambassador, for lack of a better term, right? Like whether it was doing the camps or going to the baseball Alberta AGM or giving shout outs where he can to family and loved ones back home. I mean, he was he was playing the game and it'd be, like you said, so easy for him to uh, maybe rest in Atlanta or head down to Florida or whatever the case may be. And and he was as humble as you can possibly get. And, and I know you chatted with him after the season as well. I mean, there's, there's, he's given up so much of his time to, um, to make the game a little better here in this province. And uh, for such a young man, that's been the most impressive part, I think, not just in my eyes, but it seems like everybody's eyes. Yeah, and you, you hope that uh, there isn't too much weight that, that comes along with that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of signing autographs and like increase in signing autographs and uh, doing events and um, whether it's charitable events or, or development events uh, and um, all the fanfare and uh, accolades that come with it, but also your schedule fills up quite a bit. So uh, you just hope that isn't anything that, uh, that, that is too taxing on him. I know that's, you know, I, he's a pretty smart guy, so I'm sure he, he gets his rest and, and gets his time to himself when he needs it. And, uh, yeah, just excited to see what he can do in 2020. And uh, obviously a lot of eyes will be on him now to see if, uh, you know, just to make sure last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, I, I, you know, I hesitate to even say that. I don't think it was, but, uh, you know, it's it's one of those games where you just have to keep proving yourself constantly, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, you were our man about town. I might have been the voice of Alberta dugout stories, but you were certainly the face. You were out everywhere. Is there a specific event or game or uh, situation you found yourself in during the course of the year that really stands out to you in terms of just being out there in the baseball community? Uh, well, there was. Uh, there's always so much going on and uh i there were a few things that that come to mind uh, a couple things in okotoks one was the uh the women's invitational it was a, just a great event to to take in and uh just to see the caliber of play and some of the great uh, uh female players both from alberta and across the country uh come here and get to use uh some great facilities down there um that was that was one thing uh of course uh on the um western canadian baseball league front you know i was able to take in that uh that title clinching game in okotoks and, and see the dogs win at home and uh that was a pretty pretty special year for them um you know especially going through edmonton edmonton has kind of been a nemesis of theirs for 
for quite some time and mm-hmm. it's been tricky getting past them and new format you had best of five reduced to a best of three series and um so to see them kind of win it all and uh do so for the first time in about a decade uh was a was a pretty uh great thing to to witness uh in person uh, of course that's the second year in a row that uh the wcbl champ is uh an alberta team it was the the Mavericks uh, the year before, who also had their own, you know, special uh, series uh, series win, and um, but I wasn't able to witness that one in person. So definitely being at the ballpark and, and getting to take it in was was just a fantastic uh, event and, and a pretty wild game in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's collisions at the center field fence, and there's lots of uh, you know kind of small ball plays and lead changes back and forth. So. Uh, that those, those events really do stand out. One thing that really stood out to me during the course of the year as well, once again, I think the same holds true for 2018 as much as it did 2019, is just the candidness that the athletes, the coaches, the volunteers, the teams all had in really welcoming us back to the diamond and allowing us to tell their stories. It wasn't just the typical got to give it 110% work hard, all that kind of stuff. They really welcomed us into telling their stories. And so whether they were uh, really young 14, 15 year old athletes, whether they were college athletes, WCBL athletes, you had coaches, all kinds of people from different backgrounds, all willing to come and and tell their stories. And, And I know that you benefited from that as much as I did is they were more than happy to come out and and say a few words to us. Yeah, and I think one thing you get the collective impression that um, there really is an interest in in growing the game and promoting baseball uh, among that community. Uh, of course, you get rivalries and you get uh, personality clashes here and there, like as you would in any any sport. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, there really is a it seems to be a genuine interest in elevating the status of the game and uh um even even in the case of rivalries where you, you can see them uh, you know with these different personalities kind of give a knowing glance and, and a nod and a tip of the cap to uh the the people and the organizations they're competing against and uh i, I think that's refreshing i think uh you know a lot of the you know different sports and different leagues um you can see athletes kind of cut themselves off from uh, from media and from interviews or, mm. um, you know, they may be a little, uh, quick to, uh, <laughs> to, to look at the questions you ask and, and, you know, frown at some of them. Whereas I think it's a little more forgiving crowd here where they, uh, you know, I, I'll never profess to be, a an expert on the, certainly on the technical aspects of, of baseball. I'm, I'm a fan as much as anyone. So, when they're uh, indulging you to to either fumble through a question or um, you know um, not grasp a, uh, a a certain play, that it's there's a lot of uh, generosity and and grace there that that I certainly appreciate. Mm-hmm. And speaking of growing the game, one of the aspects that we're now focusing on is what we're doing to grow the game in 2020 and the Western Canadian Baseball League. Uh, we chatted a little bit about this with Kevin Kavami uh, late last year, right after the season, and he gave us the updates on Sylvan Lake being granted a franchise in 2021, also the change of ownership structure for the Brooks Bombers heading into 2020, and I asked him about the Edmonton prospects. 
Olympics. And there's been this weird cloud hanging over that organization because there were questions about whether there's a minor league team coming to town or if the prospects are even going to be given uh, another lease for Remax Field. All kinds of questions. And it finally came to a head in late November. And finally, we have some clarity on that. So Ian and I are going to be back in just a couple of seconds here to talk more about uh, what we have planned for 2020. But we want to segue now into a conversation that I had just recently with Jordan Blundell of the Edmonton Prospects, as they can now officially say they're looking forward to the 2020 campaign. This is Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Jordan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks a bunch for having me on, Joe. Happy New Year to Alberta Dugout Stories. I appreciate it. Hey, how does it feel to have some certainty around the future of the organization, at least for 2020? Uh, it's a relief, uh, for sure. Um, you know, in the fall, uh, there's a lot of frustration and and um, trepidation of what we can and can't, you know, go ahead and do and work towards. Um you know, I, I, I guess summing it up, it was frustrating for sure um, it, from our side. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and with respect to the city of Edmonton, we understand and we always understood uh, what their needs uh, are and, and how they work through their process of, of what they need out of REMAX Field. Um, we've always viewed it as a partnership and, and the, the, you know, the good people that we work with at the city, they view it as such as well. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to, to hammer out uh, the 10-year lease um, that was mandated by City Council to approach 10 years uh, at REMAX Field. Um, in the City of Edmonton, they're looking at redeveloping or developing different parts of the river crossing. The river crossing is uh, located right in that river valley, right at REMAX Field in Riverdale, um, just after that bridge, the beautiful bridge in Edmonton. And they're looking at doing some some really creative uh, things down there to attract more people to the River Valley. Uh, the Remax Field was at one point not potentially part of those plans, um, and a couple of years ago we we you know had a campaign of, of Remax Field, the crown jewel of the River Valley. Uh, we put a lot of effort behind the idea of saving the ballpark long term for the city of Edmonton and the fans of our program and baseball fans in general in this area. Um, and, and we viewed that as successful because uh, the city then put out their master plan for the river crossing and the four options included Remax field. So we viewed that as a success that the work that we had done to that point um, worked. Uh, so uh, city council mandated 10 year lease, uh, to be negotiated and we worked through that process uh, with the city uh, there was another group involved uh, that we were never really made aware of what their plans were um, and that's where we get into that frustrating part um, but thankfully uh, we're a go for 2020 that's that's been the case here for a few months now I think it was mid mid late November where we were actually able to, to sign that deal um, there was a little bit of confusion from you know what we had announced and the timing of it uh, as to when the city was comfortable getting something signed, uh, which you know was kind of out of our hands, unfortunately. But uh, we're a go for 2020. We're super excited. Um, we have goals, dreams, aspirations for Remax Field. Uh, we feel like um, 
you know, we're, we're stewards of the sport of baseball in the city of Edmonton. Um, we, we feel like we provide a great product, a great atmosphere for baseball fans in the city to come down to the River Valley. Uh, it's the best patio in the, in the city. Um, Alberta, everybody knows what patio season's all about. Mm-hmm. It's a limited amount of time to get out there and enjoy that sun in the summer. Um, and we feel like we have the best patio in the city. And we have entertainment going on uh, for you to enjoy that big patio. So um, we're looking forward to 2020, no doubt, Joe. Do you approach this year as a bit of an opportunity to maybe prove your point so that you can nail down that long-term deal? Yeah, good point. Uh, I, I think we've approached every year exactly in that fashion that that we're – we, we don't take for granted the, the privilege it is to play in REMAX field, uh, the ability to, to use that facility and, and with the history and, and be in that home clubhouse, you know, with Jim Edmonds was in there, man, you know, like mm-hmm. the big time names were in there. That's a privilege for us. And we, we appreciate that. Um, we're hopeful to have a lease, uh, a long-term lease signed before we even get to first pitch. Now that's wish potentially wishful thinking from our end um, it's not up to us on the date and the timing of that uh, but that's what we're working towards uh, and that won't change how we approach our season um, every game every day we're in there engaging with our fans is an opportunity for us to establish a connection that hopefully is a long-term one with current fan meaning future fan and that growth can be exponential you know you get a, a 22 year old into the ballpark a couple of years ago when we first got in Remax Field, who's now maybe 26, 7, 28. They're starting a family, you know, and in a couple of years, their kids are playing baseball. And that's where we see that exponential growth and the opportunity to now engage uh, who once was a young person, uh, a young professional, now turning into a family. And that went from one fan to a family of four fans. And, and then thus it grows. And that's how we view that. Um, as far as, as what our plans are for this year, we've got big plans. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of a late start compared to years previous as we, we didn't know what our future was until mid-late November. Uh, but we want to push that fan attendance up over 70,000. Um, it steadily has grown. Uh, our attendance increased last year on average a slight amount. Uh, we broke 2,000 two years ago. We were just above that this this past year, um, and we feel like with the way the weather was, you know, we missed out on a lot of opportunity. Um, and obviously, we're going to deal with weather again. Mm. But um, our goal is to push over seventy thousand. We're we're right in that early low sixty thousand right now, and uh, we think with the hard work that that we're willing to put in, and, and the ideas and, and um, the creativity we have in our in our front office, that we can achieve that goal. So. Uh, 70,000 fans is, is uh, you know, where we're kind of putting that bar for us this year. And I couldn't help but notice even in the days afterwards of, of being able to say, hey, we've dotted the I's and crossed the T's on, on at least the deal for the next year, is that there seems to be a little bit of momentum behind working with other organizations within the city of Edmonton in hopes of drawing some attention to the Prospects brand through maybe the Stingers or other organizations. Yeah, yeah great point. Uh we were super excited to, to partner with the Stingers, FC Edmonton, and the Edmonton Eskimos uh, and offer a, a, 
a pack, a ticket package, four tickets for $79 that gives you the ability to check out any of the teams, um, all the sports included. And it gave us an opportunity to cross promote and, and maybe have football fans that, that aren't so familiar with baseball become a little bit more aware of our program and vice versa for basketball and football and soccer and um, the quartet of teams to be able to come together and, and hammer out that, that idea and, and bring it to fruition was, was something we viewed as a cool thing. You know, this is an opportunity for us to team up uh, with other teams and organizations in the city of Edmonton. And a lot of credit needs to go to, to Ryan Jago. He, he's kind of our, uh, director of sales and, and tickets and, and promotions and corporate sponsorship. Um, he did some some great work there, and, and likewise with the other three organizations involved uh, to put together something that we could use as a group of teams and get out there into the public. Um, you know, we're always it's a battle for for entertainment dollars. You know, with movies and, and camping and other sports and everything else that people have the ability to spend their hard-earned money at you know it was an opportunity for us to to maybe get in their minds you know right around that christmas season that you know baseball season's right around the corner and, and we'd love to have you down at remax field to en- enjoy our product and you know we feel confident that if you if it is your first time coming down uh, to remax field that you'll come back uh, we're, we're, we're that confident in our product you know maybe you're not a season ticket holder and, and maybe you only come once or twice more but that's that's the point you know, we, we don't need every one of our fans to be diehard 28 games in a row. Uh, we love that. Uh, uh, we do have fans that are like that. Uh, but just to even expose, you know, family and kids uh, to, to the sport of baseball is ultimately our goal. So um, a really cool uh, ticket pack that, that we were able to get done. Well, and the great part about even last year is what you're starting to see is a little bit more parity. I mean, even though the dogs were, were ultimately victorious, I mean, every game seemed to be uh, a, a bit of a barn burner. I mean, everybody had an opportunity to win every single game, and you're starting to see even the new newer teams, the Fort McMurray's and the Brooks's, having some successes as well, and, and that's got to grow a little bit of that um, the rivalry aspect of the game across this province. For sure, and and you know what? I think that... that... Uh, is important for, for the sport in Western Canada, in the prairies. I think that our league um, has the ability to inspire youth players um, to work towards achieving a goal, which is playing for one of the teams in the WCBL. Um, it's another stepping stone on the way up the, the sport of baseball's ladder. Um, there, there's been countless amount of guys that have, have made it to affiliated pro baseball and independent pro baseball from our league. Um, it provides players that come to play in the WCBL an opportunity to experience what pro baseball is like. And, and by that, I mean that 705 start with the anthems and fans and, and peanuts and popcorn and beer and hot dogs and, and all that is, is pro baseball. Um, and when you're a kid, <clears throat> for me, I know that this is the case uh, for me when I was 12, walking in the Remax field was, eye-opening you know know, jaw-dropping maybe is too big of a word but to walk into that facility and then walk through the concourse and see the ballpark and and see the sport being played and displayed at that level uh, was something that you know like I've never forgotten and it's a privilege for me to be able to get to be inside the clubhouse in the dugout now and look up into the crowd 
and see a 10 year old wearing a prospect's hat and, and cheering for our guys and catching foul balls and, and coming out and supporting us. Um, that bodes well for, for the opportunity for that young player, boy or girl, um, to, to end up getting to the college level and playing in our league. So uh, the league significance in Western Canada, um, it, it, it can't, it, it's almost understated how important it is, you know, to have that level, uh, that caliber of baseball in your community. Um, it just brings up the level from the grassroots and, and, our goal as an organization is to be really involved with the grassroots. I know uh, multiple teams fairly well in, in their front offices, and, and they have the same mindset too. Um, so the more we're able to, as a league, to continue to spur development at the, the youngest levels, it brings fans, it brings up the level of baseball, and then hopefully it brings more local players to our rosters. Um, we, we, we're not full of Edmontonian players. We'd love to be. Um, and we have that opportunity to continue to grow that. And, you know, ultimately, how great would that be if all our rosters, you know, you, you really don't have any imports. You know, it's mm-hmm. all Canadian, it's all local. You know, that, that would be the dream. I, I don't think that that's realistic, and I think it's good to bring in players from outside our community to experience what this is and also to bring in a different attitude and flavor. Baseball gets played a little differently all over North America. California's a little different than Florida and Texas and New York. And it's good to get a, a, a mixture of players and, and try and build, you know, a, a build towards a common goal with a bunch of strangers almost. And, and that's the fun part of managing a ball club. And speaking of that aspect, now with the business side of things sort of in the rearview mirror, it allows you to kind of work forward on the on-field product, but also uh, making sure that you're getting butts in the seats at the end of the day. How excited are you to finally get that piece of the puzzle uh, out of the way and you're able to now move on to the, the fun stuff, quote-unquote? You're right. Like, and and then It's not like we weren't kind of doing that behind the scenes, but uh, without knowing for sure, we, we were limited on to how much we could explore partnerships and, and marketing ideas. However, we did kick some ideas around, and, and you're right, now we're at the point where we can really get after it uh, full go. Um, we're excited about building towards that 70,000 fans in, through the turnstiles this year. Um, we've kind of earmarked some games that we really want to highlight for our fans um, and try and push the attendance up for those specific games. Not that, that we're going to ignore um, other games on our schedule, but you know, opening day last year was special. Minor baseball day has been special for us the last couple of years. Father's Day Sunday game has been awesome for us. Um, Canada Day, obviously, if, if you're unaware, Canada Day at Remax Field is, is a special game, um, just a special event in Canada. Um, and then we look at the All-Star Game, which we're hosting again July 18th and 19th. We've got some cool ideas for a Saturday home run derby and Fan Fest and, and the Sunday game. And then you look at our fan appreciation game at the end of the summer. So we kind of look at five or six games where we really want to focus on attracting as many fans as we can. And, and that buzz that's created by more bodies in the seats, um, it, it, it's just special. And, and like we talked off air there for a little bit mm-hmm. about what opening day was like for us last year. Um, it had that buzz. It was 3,000 plus. There was a murmur. There was a buzz in the stands. And it lasted the whole game. And if you were at that game, 
you'll remember that game. And if you were at that game, you probably came to another game in the hopes that 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 energy was there again. And it's unrealistic to carry that energy throughout the whole year. But uh, we do have some real specific games that are, are, are super cool to be at. Uh, that the attendance is really big, and, and we're going to work hard to, to grow those. Looking forward to it. I just can't wait for opening day already. I know we're in January, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there before too long. Jordan, thanks so much for the update, and uh, all the best in planning ahead to the 2020 campaign. Appreciate you having me on, Joe. Thanks a bunch. Happy New Year, and, and we'll hear from you soon. Back now with Ian Wilson, my co-conspirator, co-creator, co-contributor to Alberta Dugout Stories here on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. And we've taken a look back now, Ian, at 2019. And let's look ahead to 2020. We're a few days in, obviously, but some pretty big plans in store. We still haven't sat down to have our annual general meeting, a.k.a. we have a couple of beer and talk about what we might be able to get accomplished in the next year. But is there anything front and center story-wise that you're hoping to accomplish over the next 12 months or so? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few things, uh, obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, and just coming out of that that interview with, with Jordan Blundell, one... Uh, one thing to touch on for sure is the uh, Western Canadian Baseball League All-Star Game, uh, which is happening in Edmonton again this year. Uh, it, it happened there in 2019, and I thought it was a really neat event. Uh, you were you were talking to me earlier about highlights from the year, and that was definitely one of them, just to mm. see the, the WCBL uh, talent, uh, the high-end talent assembled in one spot, and just to see them interact with each other and uh, see them take part in a home run derby and uh an all-star game i thought it was just a really cool really neat event and just a nice kind of celebration of of not only the league but the uh but the game in alberta as well so that's one event i'll be keeping an eye on there's uh, a few other tournaments that are coming to the province uh this year uh there's i think it's a 15 15 u event uh in um okotoks and then fort uh, mcmurray has a pretty big uh, tournament uh, they're hosting this year as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, as always, the MLB draft is one to watch and just, um, you know, we're entering that phase of the year where there's a lot of kids uh, down, uh, down in the States uh, playing baseball and studying and just to see the stories emerge out of there, who's going to um, have success at that level and, uh, and really turn some heads uh you know, in uh, NCAA and uh, NAIA and all those uh, other conferences uh, south of the border. And not only that, but we also have some stuff going on north of the border as well. We have the Canadian uh, College Baseball Conference. It'll be firing up in the not-too-distant future. I'm just kind of hoping that Mother Nature agrees to play a little better. I know the All-Star game was one of those situations where they were kind of touch-and-go for a while there. Like uh, Even in, in the conversations with Jordan Blundell, it was, man, we did pretty well considering the rain opened up. There wasn't really a, a, a prolonged a hot spell that we saw in this province all summer. And it'd be nice to be able to get back to some sense of normalcy just so we can maybe enjoy a few more games of baseball. Yeah. One of the other uh, kind of weather events that has emerged the last couple of years is, uh, is from forest fires. And we've Mm -hmm. seen uh, the smoke kind of coming in early in the, in the season, the last couple of years. And I know that uh, the WCBL uh, kind of enacted a uh, kind of uh, air quality advisory um, guidelines for those situations. So hopefully that's another weather event that uh, doesn't 
doesn't impact us too too greatly and uh, allows us to get outside and you know both for the broader uh, good of just getting outdoors and and also just getting out to see some baseball as well. And it's not just on the field that we're going to be focusing on as well. We'll still be doing our usual historical pieces as well. I've been kind of fumbling around a little bit with a look back at um, the All-American Professional Girls Baseball League and the Alberta contributions. We've we focused on one, but there were also nine others that I'd like to be able to, uh, to do a little bit of a focus on before too long here. And I know that as well, we're hitting a century mark for a Alberta championship. So I'm going to be diving into that story as well in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And also off the field, and not to kind of throw Ian under the bus a little bit here, but you're working on something uh, because there's a new book coming out about baseball cards. Yeah, I believe the title is The Wax Pack, uh, and it's a, a fellow in the States who, the, the premise is he uh, he opened a pack of, I think it was 1986 Tops baseball cards, and he vowed to track down every um, player in that pack and uh and just see what they were up to now uh so i think vince coleman and carlton fisk were some of the bigger names but uh, that, that were in that pack uh as well as uh former edmonton trappers manager gary templeton and uh, uh star outfielder for the trappers as well gary pettis uh so i'm very curious to to read that uh, book when it comes out and uh, it just sounds like an interesting concept and of course, uh, you and I love our, our baseball cards as well, mm. so there's that uh, aspect of it as well. So that should be uh, an interesting one to chase down, and hopefully we can uh, get some, some good reads and, and maybe a podcast appearance out of that as well. And obviously, maybe even playing a little bit, I do this on social media every so often, is throw out an old Calgary Cannons or Medicine Hat Blue Jays or Edmonton Trappers baseball card as well. So I'd love to hear from those who actually have some of those packs or maybe some of those sets and binders somewhere because how cool would it be to just have like every single Alberta-based baseball card in a binder somewhere? Like I can't imagine just having that nostalgia right in front of me. Man, that'd be awesome. The the hunt continues, right? Like it just <laughs> seems like such a piecemeal Kijiji garage sale uh, online <laughs> online mm-hmm. hunt for for items like that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure someone has a secret stash somewhere of. Uh, some old Canons employee has like uh, the you know the uh, treasure room of, mm-hmm. uh, of Canons gear somewhere, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's always fun to to track that down. And uh, you know, I know last year too. Just speaking of historical stories, just doing the um, last year was like the hundredth anniversary of the the Black Sox scandal. Yeah. That was another story that uh, was was fun to to work on and just uh, to to read about Happy Felsch uh, coming up to play for Regina and then make the tour through Alberta and, uh, and see how those, uh, how those Black Sox players were, were greeted. And uh, so I'm, I've got a few things in mind. Uh, I don't want to say too much about yet. Cause I, uh, you know, as you know, uh, sometimes you end up putting these, these things off for another year or a few mm-hmm. months, but um you know, there's there's definitely some stories of uh, uh, barnstorming tours and uh, players from the old uh, Negro leagues who made their way to Western Canada um, as well. And uh, and yeah, you can never never forget about uh, you know the Lethbridge Mounties, Medicine Hat Blue Jays, the uh, Edmonton Trappers, and the Calgary Cannons days. There's there's great fodder there that we haven't tapped into. Uh, 
uh, as much as I'd like. So we've got some got some work to do for sure. It kind of feels like we're just getting started, doesn't it? <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> you know it's funny I was, I was thinking about that because what we started up in 2017 mm-hmm. and uh, uh i it really just i don't feel especially on the historical front uh, i don't feel like we've we've tapped into that uh anywhere near the amount that we're able to and and well I, having said that as well as the the current uh, baseball community there's just you know, there's a million stories out there that we uh, that we can do, and uh, looking looking forward to chasing down uh, as many of those as we can. Couldn't have said it better myself. All you got to do is stay tuned to albertadugoutstories.com, or you can continue listening, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Here to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Ian, as always, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, and looking forward to working with you again in 2020. Thank you so much. We want to thank Jordan Blundell as well for his insights into what's gone on with the Edmonton prospects this offseason. And as always, we want to thank you for downloading and listening. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.